This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. The black beauty industry in Chicago is getting a fresh face. I'm Adora Namigade in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. You may not know it, but Chicago is home to quite a few beauty brands and businesses made by and for black people. Some Chicagoans have been in the industry for years, while others are just getting their feet wet. As a part of our Chicago Innovator series, we're talking about the new and the old of Black-owned beauty businesses in Chicago, with a family-owned hair care brand in its third generation to a beauty collective making its debut in Hyde Park this week. To hear more, we're speaking with Leslie Robertson, the CEO and founder of the Black Beauty Collective. And also with us is Simone Luster, the e-commerce store manager of Luster Products, as well as Simone's father, Jory Luster, the president of Luster Products. So let's start with you, Jory. Tell us a bit about the history of Luster's products. Luster Products was founded by uh, my father, Fred Luster Sr., in 1957. He, at that time, he was a barber on the south side of Chicago, really, on 47th Street, which was one of the entertainment areas of entertainment in the city, uh, entertainment mecca, I guess, uh, and just a fun place to be. But as a barber, he got involved with uh, the latest trend of the time, which was the men's chemical hair straightening. And um, that style was popularized by a lot of entertainers. If you go back, um, uh, Nat King Cole and, and, and uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and the Temptations and, and the Dales and all of the popular entertainers of, of the era wore that style. Well, just like anything else, I mean, influencers are not limited to social media presence. Uh, those people influenced, you know, the, the, the way people in general wanted to look. And so as their popularity grew, the demand for the style grew. Where he became interested in providing products, it was like products of great quality were in short supply, just inconsistent supply. So he decided to embark on his own endeavor to make products that at least take care of his own business opportunity. Uh, but as you would have it, as he began to be successful with his own products, he had other people who wanted to emulate his work, seeing how he had one of the more popular salons or barbershops in the city. And so he began to teach and sell product to others who wanted, again, to emulate uh, what he was able to achieve. Jory, thanks for sharing that history. And now I want to turn to Simone. I got to talk to you about Luster's Pink Oil Moisturizer Hair Lotion. I grew up using that product when I was a kid, and I can picture my mom's bathroom with a little pink bottle and the black script. And I know many other people have had that same experience. So there's definitely that feeling of nostalgia associated with thinking about it. 
Why do you think people continue using this product generations later? What keeps bringing people back? Um, number one is it works. You know, it's something that for years, you know, it's been in our culture, in our bathrooms, and it's something that everybody can remember. Everybody comes up and says, when I used that, my hair was long, it was healthy. So I think that, number one, it's a rite of passage, but also it's what we need is, number one, the category is moisture. For our hair, moisture is the number one thing that we want. So I think that's why people use it. It just works. Tried and true. Absolutely. And Leslie, let's turn to you. First of all, congratulations are in order because the Black Beauty Collective is opening this Thursday. Congrats. Thank you so much. Absolutely. How are you feeling? Uh, All the feelings. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm everything you can imagine when you're launching a business like this. Mm -hmm. Well, I wish you the best. All right. So tell us about the Black Beauty Collective. What is it and where did the idea come from? The Black Beauty Collective is a hair and beauty retailer, and we feature businesses that are at minimum 51% black-owned. The idea came because there's a need. Of course, we have our legacy brands, but when you look at the overall representation in the hair and beauty industry, uh, black owners only represent about 2.5% of the brands. Wow. However, it's a $60 billion industry, but black people are the end user. And so I decided that there was an opportunity in the market for us to How do you begin to change that demographic and that representation? And so I created the Black Beauty Collective. 2.5% is alarmingly low, by the way. It is. Absolutely. Who's the 97.5%? Others. Everyone else. Others. (laughs) You can fill in that blank. All right. Why did you see a need for this collective right here in Chicago specifically? Chicago, coming off the backs of amazing brands like Luster, we're like known for hair and beauty and fashion and all these amazing things. And I thought this was a perfect market to launch a brand like this in. And why did you want to open Hyde Park? Oh, my gosh. Hyde Park is the neighborhood. It's like the right feel of you're in the city, but it has that community feel and the demographics are there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Hyde Park was the perfect neighborhood. All right. And now back to Jory. I want to ask you, Luster Products started on the south side as well. Why was it important for you personally to stay in the family business and keep the company in Chicago? It was a couple of things. One, um, it was an opportunity for me. You know, when I was, first of all, I grew up literally in the business. I started working for my dad doing what I could do as a nine-year-old, no matter if that was labeling boxes or filling jars or capping jars, whatever our job needed to be done, you know, I was available to do it. And I I learned that I liked work, and I learned that I liked the money that he paid me because he would pay you as an incentive to work. I didn't make enough to get rich and retire as a as a twelve year old, but you know it, it it was it was very cool. And then I looked up to him so, and I wanted to help him. And the same thing happened. Uh, I remember like yesterday, I was a senior in college, and uh, family came down for my graduation, and he asked me point blank, "Jory, I think I want you to work for me." And I said, "Wow, <clears throat> what would I do?" You know. He said, well, you, you know, you've been selling over the summers as part of your task. You come and join the sales force. And I was honored. But also, I, I said, you know what, let me, let me do a couple of things. So I went and floated a couple of applications, and I got hired a couple of places. Uh, and, and it just gave me a, a better sense of worth because I didn't want to feel that was the only thing that I could do, the only option that I had. So I came in with a lot of pride, you know, and, and the rest has been history. Mm. That happened in 1975, and I 
been here ever since. But it's, it's been a labor of love. You know, it's, it's it's incredible when you're working for a person or entity where there's a a really really clear and present vision, right? And there's a passion for for what he does and how he wanted the company to be, to be viewed. It wasn't just to make money, although if you don't make money, you will not continue to exist. But he wanted that company to be, uh, this company to be an example for young people that could say, you know what, if he did it, I can do it. He wanted a place that employed people, right? And not only to employ people, but where people could, because of their work, they could buy a car. Because of their work, they could buy a home. Because of their work, they can send kids to school. And so those were the things that were really important to him. And how can you not want to be involved in an entity where the head of that organization has that kind of people passion and people passion for people of color? That's great. You were able to buy into the mission on that sort of personal level and see how the company was bringing fruit to other people's lives who worked there. Simone, what kept you in the family business? Um, number one was that um, it's something that I grew up just in love with. Like he said, he started working at a young age. I started working trade shows at probably like 15, 16. So I was very familiar with the industry. And um, when I was in college, I even worked there. So I just felt a need to come in and create the legacy for the fourth generation with my brother and my sister. I just saw that it was a great experience, and it really is a family environment. Like, everybody there has worked there for—some people have worked there for almost 30 years plus. Wow. So I just—it felt like home, and it felt like somewhere I was comfortable, and it felt like somewhere that I could help and Mm -hmm. help grow. This is Reset. I'm Adora Namigade, in for Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking about the new and the old of black beauty companies in the city as part of our Chicago Innovators series. We're joined by Simone and Jory Luster of Luster's Products and Leslie Robertson of the Black Beauty Collective. So, Leslie, your flagship store will be exclusively selling products created by black people. What experience can shoppers expect being at the Black Beauty Collective? And what does culturally informed shopping even look like? It looks like a couple things. So from a customer's perspective, we are striving to be the Chick-fil-A of black beauty. Hands down, the top space, you will find excellent customer service. Mm. We have a team of MUAs, estheticians, and cosmetologists that are going to actually help you answer questions about your hair and your skin. I'm very excited about that. Right? I know we all love that. And then from an entrepreneur's perspective, very similar to the Luster family, a lot of them are creating products in because they work and they are supporting bigger communities. It's not just about their family. It's about their immediate community. So we have brands coming in from all over the country. And a lot of the stories that we hear is, I created this product because my mom, her hair was falling out or my son had uh, eczema. And I'm creating these things out of love and I am now sharing it with the world. And so imagine walking into a place where everything was created with someone that is loved in mind and you get to now experience it. That's true. I feel like nowadays I follow a number of YouTubers who have natural hair channels and they end up making products and that ends up being kind of their backstory. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So something else I want to talk about are the beauty trends and how they change. Jory, when your father started the business, having straight hair was the trend, but then natural hair started to gain more steam in the 60s. So how did Luster products adapt to those changing trends? You know, that's the lifeblood of an enterprise. You know, he, he, you're absolutely right. He started with the chemical men's hair straightening, and, and that evolved from that as an exclusive opportunity to women's chemical hair straightening, which um, 
that's where the relaxer was born, and it was a much milder product than the men used, but adapted nonetheless. The reason that that, that adaptation was important is because prior to chemical hair straightening, most women got their hair straightened, which was the socially accepted way to wear your hair. They got their hair straightened by using a heat and a straightening comb and a curling iron. Well, the problem there is that when you ran into uh, moisture or if you had a really good time at a party on a Saturday night, <laughs> Sunday morning, you did not have a hairstyle anymore. So the chemical hair straightening products were ideal in that, that they would last past, you know, those activities, and you could go back and get your hair reset every couple of weeks or so. Mm-hmm. From in the 60s, you know, there were cultural changes all around. And what happened then is the Afro came into play. And the Afro really upset the apple cart for men and women's hair straightening because you have so many examples, again, driven by influencers. Who were the influencers at that time, they were entertainers, young entertainers, uh, wore the Afro style. Angela Davis wore the Afro style. A lot of the militants out of California wore the Afro style, along with dashiki and tiki necklaces and those sorts of things, but it influenced society as a whole. And so you needed a different project regiment to deal with those kind of styles. And again, the barber, you had to get it, have a great barber because they had to cut an Afro, and that was new. That was new art form. Yeah, that sounds like a huge cultural shift from straight to Afro. Then I also want to ask Simone, we're talking about these kind of cultural trends and cultural shifts. What have you noticed in terms of cultural shifts with black hair? Um, One thing that's very, very, um, what I love to see is the natural hair movement. And what's beautiful about that is we're loving our hair in its natural form. We're not straightening it any type of way. We're not adding chemical straighteners. We're just trying to love our hair, how it grows out of our heads. So We've been focusing on natural ingredients in our product. We've been focusing on the oil aspect because that's pretty big and also education. Um, Because we've been doing our hair differently for whether it was a perm at first and now it's or a relaxer and now we're going into natural hair. There's a different way that you take care of your hair. There's a different way that you love on your hair and how you nurture your hair when it's natural. So it's beautiful to see um, what me and my dad talk about all the time is how we love the hair and the condition it's in. Yeah. So that's something that I'm just excited about and I'm natural myself. So I just... I'm really ecstatic about the way that it's been moving. Mm -hmm. I love hearing that, too, as someone with natural hair as well. And then, Leslie, can you talk about what you're seeing trend-wise and in terms of cultural shifts in this beauty space? Absolutely. Uh, Very similar. The natural hair is huge, and really understanding what's in the inside of the ingredients. Natural ingredients is a big thing, and especially doing market research and hearing it kind of consistently. I've heard a couple consumers say, I don't put anything in my hair or on my skin that's not consumable because they really want to get to the natural elements as closely as possible. And so the movement that I'm really seeing is just that right there, just making sure that the things that we're consuming and using on our skin and our hair is safe. And so I think that's a big one. Holistic health, really. Holistic health, that wellness component is there how we um, consume beauty products, all these things are there. And so I think that's probably the biggest shift I've noticed. And Simone, something you've talked about in the past is not forgetting where you started. Luster products can be used by all people of different hair types and textures. But when it comes to remembering where you came from, how do you keep that a priority for Luster products? Um, We keep it a priority because we want to, number one, honor the people that's always supported us from the beginning. Like we definitely and we look like the consumer as well. So that's something that helps. But 
as I've said, we're a multicultural family, so we understand how trends are going. But, you know, the bread and butter of it all for us is definitely remembering who's been supporting us for 66 years and, you know, not forgetting them, not changing up formulas so that those products work on their hair and instead maybe coming out with a comparable product for different hair textures. But we would never forget where we started because that consumer base was what brought us through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Leslie, is there anything that you think is unique about the beauty industry here in Chicago that you want to share that you're going to incorporate into the Black Beauty Collective? Yes. So back to this Hyde Park neighborhood, I've actually been preparing for our second location. and I'm, Already? I am. Or so Houston, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Houston is a next market. In order to be able to help these entrepreneurs scale their businesses into, into a national footprint, they're going to have to grow. And so that's Houston is our next market. I actually am. I went down to Houston last month to start sourcing locations, and I secretly was sad that we didn't have a high park in Houston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be the best of both worlds. <laughs> I know. So that's probably the biggest thing, just that piece, that element of city feel, but that community feel is just is where I just love to be because people stop by and holistically like to the point of the lusters here is that People become family when they're supporting businesses and you want to support them and you want to have these products for them. Mm-hmm. And so just that hope that community based feel is what I what I what is unique to Chicago that I'm finding. That's awesome. And we hope you achieve it with the collective. Thank you. We've been chatting with Jory Luster, the president of Luster Products, Simone Luster, the store's manager and Leslie Robertson, the CEO and founder of the Black Beauty Collective. Thank you all for being here. Reset was produced by Micah Yason. It was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Meha Ahmad. You can hear from more inspiring innovators from across Chicago, along with all our coverage by subscribing to our podcast. And when you do, give us a rating and review and spread the word so more listeners can find our show. That's all for Reset. I'm Adora Namigate, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great rest of the weekend. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.